Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 341, continuing our summer movie series. I'm really enjoying this. I've had some good feedback on last week's episode. By the way, the write-up for episode 340, where I talk about Train to Busan, is available on the website. Today, I want to turn my attention to one of my all-time favorite classics. This is a movie that I associate a lot with summer because uh, part of it is set in the summer It came out originally during the summertime, and it's just one that I think is just a fantastic movie for this time of year. It is the original Karate Kid from 1984. It's a Columbia Pictures film directed by John G. Avildsen, who also famously directed uh, the original Rocky. Written, uh, The screenplay was written by Robert Mark Kamen and has a fantastic cast including Ralph Macchio uh, as Daniel, the protagonist. You have Pat Morita, who played his mentor, Mr. Miyagi, Elizabeth Shue, who played uh, Daniel's love interest, Allie. And then you have a whole host of other great actors like William Zabka, uh, who plays the antagonist, Johnny Lawrence, and his mentor, Martin Cove, who plays John Kreese. Uh, Fantastic. And there are a lot of great supporting cast in this movie as well. So this is a movie you've probably seen, you've at least heard of it, you may have seen it multiple times, and the fact is there's been a lot that's been said about The Karate Kid. So I'm not going to do a traditional review. I will talk about what I love about the movie. I I will try to be objective. It's hard for me to be objective because this is a movie from my childhood that I absolutely love. I, I do have one uh, minor criticism uh, plot-wise, which I'll talk about a little later. But uh, I want to share a little bit of my history with The Karate Kid. And again, I want to try to point out some things that you might not know about this movie and give you a little bit of the back history. It's very rich, as rich as the movie itself. So um, this movie came out when I was a kid. I was in grade school. Uh, I actually read the book, and I remember seeing the commercial. I think this was um, uh, summer of 1984. I saw the commercial, and it was it was not a heavily anticipated film. This film really was under the radar. And it was not one I had heard was coming out. And it certainly wasn't uh, a movie that a lot of people were talking about before it came out. So I saw the commercial. I thought, wow, that looks pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, at, as a kid, you know, I took a little bit of karate. I took a couple of lessons. And uh, it came out when I was actually at summer camp. And uh, they had uh, karate as one of our uh, breakout activities. So uh, I heard people talking about it. I heard it was a great uh, movie. But at the time... Uh, you know, I didn't see a lot of first-run films in the theater. It was kind of a rare thing. My parents were always working, and it was really hard for us to find the time to go see movies. So seeing movies in the theater was was not an everyday thing. So usually reserved for the big movies, like I saw uh, the Star Wars, the original Star Wars trilogy. I saw Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Those were the big ones that I wanted to see, and I did see a re-release of the first one, A New Hope. And uh, movies like E.T. or Superman, those were the movies that we specifically made a point to go see in the theater. So we didn't see a lot of other types of movies. And The Karate Kid was a sleeper. It, it was an underdog film. It didn't have a lot of marketing behind it, but it did very well. And I was hearing about it from from people at camp. And later when I went back to school, people were talking about this movie and how great it was. And I actually got the book. I... 
you know, I got the um, book through one of those scholastic reading programs. They'd give you a catalog. You could order some novels or whatever. And I remember the Karate Kid novelization was on there. So I ordered it and I read the book. And I think I read that book 20 times that year. I, I read it over and over and over again. And it wasn't until... I think the following summer, I think it was, I didn't get to see it until 1985, if I remember correctly. I was traveling to New York with my parents uh, on a business trip. And, um, you know, they were kind of like taking me to all these different vendors and stuff. And I think they felt bad that, uh, you know, I, I was on a work trip with them. And so we were staying at a hotel. And at the time, they had those on demand movies. And they said I could watch an on demand movie. And uh, I picked The Karate Kid. And I was, as much as I had already known the story from having read the novel, uh, you know, upwards of 20 times by then, I almost knew that I pretty much knew the story by heart. Seeing it on screen, I was just blown away from, from the beginning all the way to the end. I was just mesmerized by it. And, you know, it was pretty much love at first sight. That movie became a staple. I, you know, watched it again and again when it would come on TV. Later, uh, you know, when it came on home media, it's, it's one that I own. I own the DVD of the, of the original films. And it's a movie that I don't watch as often, but I try to revisit every now and then. Now, what I did get to do was in 2018, before Cobra Kai premiered, and I'll talk a little bit about that towards the end of the episode, they did a theatrical re-release of The Karate Kid, and I got to see it because I missed it in the theater as a kid, and I went to go see it with a friend of mine. And excuse me if you hear the uh, siren in the background. There's a little bit of traffic noise outside. I did get to see a theatrical re-release of it in 2018, which I guess would have been, what, the 34-year anniversary, but this was in celebration of Cobra Kai, and they showed also the first two episodes of the Cobra Kai show. And then the following year, it was the 35th anniversary. I got to see it in the theater. So I got to see it in the theater twice, enjoyed it very much on the big screen. I had seen the sequels in the theaters because by the time the, I had become acquainted with the first movie, I made it a point to see uh, part two and part three. I didn't see the next Karate Kid, but I did see the uh, 2010 remake. So I've seen um, three or actually four of the films uh, on the big screen, but the original, it took a long time before I was able to see that on the big screen. Like I said, there's been a lot that's been said about this movie and, and it would be almost pointless for me to do a traditional review. I will give a brief synopsis of the story. It's really a very, very standard hero's journey. So you have this um, teenager who moves across the country with his mom. He's a single parent, and uh, he's moving from New Jersey to California. And so, you know, he's, his mom is working class, and, uh, and she's trying to provide a better life for her son. And they're moving to California. So it's very much a fish-out-of-water kind of story. And he meets uh, a girl on the beach, Allie, played by Elizabeth Shue, who also just was probably one of my first movie crushes as a kid and um, and uh, gets into some uh, entanglements with her ex-boyfriend, uh, Johnny, played by William Zapka, who knows karate. And uh, throughout the film, Daniel's treading this, uh, you know, he's treading this tightrope of trying to fit into this new school, yet at the same time trying to establish this relationship with this girl that he's just met. 
and at the same time getting into trouble with their ex-boyfriend. Things come to a head uh, at the school dance, uh, and then he is saved by Mr. Miyagi, played by Pat Morita, who works as a handyman in Daniel's apartment building. They have a brief encounter at the beginning of the film where Daniel needs to go uh, ask about a broken faucet in his apartment, and it's kind of an awkward meeting. He's, you know, Mr. Miyagi comes off as very standoffish, a little bit stern, but then you know he starts to get to know Daniel, and they strike up this uh, this really what can be described as this kind of father son relationship. And then it turns out that Mr. Miyagi knows karate. He's got this incredible backstory. So he's this older. Uh, handyman who has these secrets. There's these secrets about his past that are revealed throughout the film. And um, Mr. Miyagi gets involved, tries to help him out, and they find out that Johnny and his uh, gang are taking karate lessons from this sensei uh, played by Martin Cove, brilliantly played by Martin Cove. He's just the quintessential 80s bad guy right up there with uh, Darth Vader. In fact, I think I've I've heard in interviews that Martin Cove uh, describes himself, his character, as the Darth Vader of the karate world. I think that's that's pretty accurate for an 80s villain. And uh, Mr. Miyagi and Kreese have this standoff at the dojo where Mr. Miyagi is trying to help Daniel stay out of trouble. And it's brilliant. The, the interplay between these two characters, they decide to settle the differences at a tournament. And Mr. Miyagi is training Daniel through a very unconventional method using household chores and the film culminates in a tournament. It's not an original story. Again, as I mentioned, this was directed by John G. Avildsen who directed Rocky. You could very much see parallels. If you've seen the original Rocky and you've seen the karate kid, it's very much an underdog story that culminates in a big fight at the end. This is not an original story, but the execution is what makes this movie so good. And it stands the test of time. Revisiting this movie, it is as good as as it as I remember it from being a kid. There are new things that I appreciate about it, and it has aged very well. I think this is a movie that anyone can uh watch for the first time and just really enjoy. I will talk about uh, for the rest of this episode, things that I love about this movie that I've p- picked up over the years that I didn't really appreciate when I was younger that I really think makes this movie unique. The first thing is that it takes its time. This movie is, uh, I believe, over two hours long, and it fills up that time really nicely. And part of the reason is that it really takes time to develop the story. The cinematography, I think, is absolutely breathtaking in this movie you start with um, a couple of shots of newark and then it transitions into the road trip as daniel and his mother are driving cross country then there are these long shots of i believe it's the arizona desert where they're staying at a motel and then as they arrive you know she's talking to daniel about this you know california life You you can just hop out of bed and jump into your swimming pool and then when they arrive at their apartment there's this reveal wide shot this long shot showing the swimming pool which is is pretty much defunct and it's just got a little bit of water in it but the cinematography is absolutely breathtaking it really takes its time the the background the nature when Mr. Miyagi is training Daniel on a boat in a lake, and later when Daniel is is doing his own training in the um, at a beach, 
you see these beautiful scenic shots and the background, the the environment is as much a part of the, the film as the characters are. And it really makes good use of the environments. And then transitioning, you see certain transitions. When Mr. Miyagi is training Daniel, there's a certain calm about it. There's a certain, you know, steady wins the race uh, pacing that goes with it. It's very meditative. Even when Daniel's, you know, confused and frustrated, Mr. Miyagi throughout the entire time knows what he's doing. He knows Daniel's frustrated and, you know, he's just, he gives a knowing smirk, nothing more than a knowing smirk. Contrast that where we cut to the Cobra Kai dojo where Kreese, who we established through very, you know, small things, you know, like photos on the wall, it's established through one of the uh, uh, shots that he served in Vietnam. It's not something that's overtly brought up in the first movie. It is established later in, in the uh, sequels and and in uh, Cobra Kai, but it's just established through a visual. And the Karate Kid does something really well. It really does what movies are supposed to do. There's a saying that a movie is supposed to show as opposed to tell. And that's what the Karate Kid does is it tells the story through visuals as much as it does through the dialogue. So you see a framed picture as Daniel is visiting the Cobra Kai Dojo earlier in the film. He's thinking about taking lessons there. He looks at the wall. He looks at all the accolades and he sees the instructor, Kreese, who looks like what you would think of as a karate instructor. And he sees that he served in Vietnam. He's, he's a veteran. And then it pans over and you see the more military-style training that Kreese has with his students. And you could very easily see Daniel thinking, okay, this might be a traditional karate place I want to learn it until it re- he, the shot reveals that Johnny and his gang actually study there and you see this look on Daniel's face this is pained look and again one of the things that this movie does so well is it conveys and communicates to the audience through expression and just by mere expression you see this pained look on Daniel and then it pans over and then Johnny sees Daniel and he's got this kind of arrogant smirk on his face like oh yeah I see what you're trying to do Things like that, I think, make this movie really what it is. The little quirks. And a couple of quirks that I think are really, um, that are so memorable to me. Daniel is an interesting character. So there are a lot of movies from this period about teenagers, and a lot of them tend to blend together. But Daniel kind of stands out. He really is this fish out of water. He's kind of this lonely teenager. And one of the quirks that I really uh, think make his character unique is that he talks to himself. There's a scene in which he's in line at the cafeteria with Allie, and Allie's explaining her past history with Johnny, and Daniel's talking to the air, and you know he's talking to to someone, and and Allie's like, "Who are you talking to?" He goes, "Oh, it's just this little voice in my head that's telling me I, I I I must be crazy for going out with you." He does it again when he's talking with his mom uh, at a restaurant that he meets her at right before uh, I think right after he comes back from the Cobra Kai dojo, which is across the street. And he's trying to tell her about Allie, and then his mom has to leave, and then Daniel keeps the conversation going with himself. And those are some of the little character quirks that you see in this movie that really just make it very memorable. 
the interplay with him and Mr. Miyagi with Pat Morita, the chemistry is just absolutely unbelievable. Mr. Miyagi just understands Daniel. He understands what he's going through. And, and in the beginning, he's very hesitant to get involved. But at the same time, he can see that Daniel needs someone. He, he's a fatherless teenager. And uh, he, he takes on that father role. And the friendship they strike up is just so beautiful. And it just it just elevates this movie. And it's really about the characters. I talked about this last week with Train to Busan. What makes that movie stand out are the characters. Well, the same can be said about The Karate Kid. You know, say what you will about the martial arts. The martial arts is not the most polished in this movie. The martial arts is not as fluid or fast or as uh, impressive as what you might see in a martial arts film. However, I actually think that's a benefit to this movie. I think the fact is they hired actors and trained them to, to do the martial arts as opposed to the other way around. And I think that works to this movie's advantage because their performances are really strong from, uh, from Daniel to Mr. Miyagi to the Cobras. I think the performances are, uh, are really what makes this movie work. And the fact that the martial arts isn't as polished, I think actually works for these teenagers as well. These teenagers, especially Daniel, who's only been studying martial arts for a couple of months. By the time he gets to the tournament, yeah, Mr. Miyagi has crammed a lot of martial arts into him, but he's only been training for a few months. And he's believable. He's believable as someone who's been training for a few months. He's not going to be the most polished. He's, and in fact, I love that opening match, which is not against the Cobra. It's against just another competitor. And Daniel's a little bit awkward. He runs out of the ring. And that first moment, I think, makes this movie believable. Speaking of which, the cinematography, I just want to mention again, there's a beautiful overhead crane shot, and pun intended, I guess, but it's called a crane shot at the beginning of the tournament where you go from Daniel and Miyagi and Ali, and it it pans overhead, and you see the scope of this tournament. And behind the scenes, they actually filmed it at a real tournament. So there are actual matches that are going on with some of the the background characters. So I think that was really cool. But the cinematography is just so well done. And uh, you just see these sweeping shots that establish the environment and that tell the story. Pat Morita is absolutely phenomenal. This was obviously his one of his career-defining roles. What's interesting, and you may not know this, was that Pat Morita was a stand-up comedian, and uh, he had a recurring role on the sitcom Happy Days. He was also on another sitcom, Sanford and Son. Uh, I believe he was actually good friends with uh, the late Red Fox. And uh, he was known as a comedian. And Pat Morita was... Um, you know he doesn't speak with a with an accent, and so when they were casting for the role of uh, Mr. Miyagi, they they had a strict no comedians policy, and they were looking at uh, traditional uh, Japanese martial arts actors, performers who were martial artists who who had performed in martial arts films, and. The problem was they couldn't find someone who would bring the warmth and the depth and the complexity of the character until Pat Morita auditioned. And I think he convinced John Avildsen that he was right for this role. Pat Morita actually just buried himself into the part. He developed the Miyagi voice. And I think John Avildsen, if I remember the story correctly, went to bat and convinced the producers to let him cast Pat Morita. And that was such a wise decision. 
And in fact, Pat Morita was nominated for an Academy Award for Supporting Actor. And uh, the scene that many credit for that is this one scene in which Daniel uh, comes to Miyagi after a, a failed date with Ali, and he's just covered in spaghetti sauce. There's, a, there's an incident at a country club and a misunderstanding. And Mr. Miyagi is drunk, and he's celebrating a, an anniversary. And Daniel learns all about Miyagi's story. I won't give it away. I, I encourage you to watch the film. Daniel learns about Miyagi. He learns something about Miyagi's past that he never would have imagined. And the performance that Pat Morita gives, both Pat Morita and Ralph Macchio give amazing performances in the scene. As the story goes, the studio actually wanted to cut this film, uh, that scene for pacing because this is a long film. As I mentioned, it takes its time, and they thought that it was just slowing the story down. However, uh, the director fought to keep this in, and wisely so because this, that scene, I think, is the heart of this movie. It's one of the pinpoints of this movie. It's one of the tent poles, and it makes that relationship between Daniel and Miyagi as that father-son relationship. It just brings it to life. And many credit this scene as the one that earned Pat Morita the Academy Award nomination. Um, some other interesting trivia. The script, as I mentioned, was uh, written by Robert Mark Kamen. He's had a pretty prolific career. I think uh, he's uh, probably pretty well known for the Taken movies. I think I haven't seen those, but he's done a lot of action films. And this is based off of uh, partly on his story of having studied martial arts, I think having been in the military. And in fact, I think he mentioned that Kreese was based off of an instructor that he once had. I think both Miyagi and Kreese, if I remember, are, are inspired by real martial arts instructors that he had in his life. Um, it, I, Martin Cove, I think he's phenomenal in this. He's very menacing, and he's just this big, brooding, uh, you know, veteran, this karate instructor. What's interesting is to hear interviews with Martin Cove and the backstory that he gave Kreese. I think is you can see it in the performance. Is that uh, Kreese came home from Vietnam, and uh, you know, uh, was a, a war that that was not celebrated and so crease was not a winner he he's, as he describes it crease was not allowed to be a winner so when he started teaching karate he wanted to make sure that uh his students would never lose that they would always be winners so that's really interesting just to hear that subtext that he as the as the actor put into this role there are rumors that, uh, and there were long standing rumors that Chuck Norris was originally considered for Crease and and uh offered the role i think that rumor has since been debunked but uh to, to be frank, I, I think Martin Cove, I couldn't picture anyone else other than Martin Cove in this role. I don't think Chuck Norris would have been the right archetype for this. I think Chuck Norris is great in other things. And I know he's played, um, he's mostly seen as a hero. So it would have been strange to see him in this uh, in this film. Uh, one other thing I need to mention, the musical score, I think, is also one of the big standouts. Bill Conti does a beautiful score of this film. It is the soundtrack uh, is as much a part of the film as the characters. And in fact, each character has their own distinctive tone, which I think is a signature of Bill Conti. He tends to do that with a lot of his, his films. And the musical score is absolutely brilliant. Uh, this movie did spawn a number of sequels. I've enjoyed them all. They're not as good. I, I think the original is definitely the best. I think the second film is a great companion. It shifts the focus more on the Miyagi character. 
Part three is over the top. It's got kind of a ridiculous plot, but it is still enjoyable as part of the original trilogy. And, uh, I, you know, the next Karate Kid was okay. It, it, the, the less said about it, the better. It's not my favorite. It's okay. I know it has some fans. Uh, the film also, the film series also had an animated series, which is pretty amazing to think about. I think in 1989, it had a one season animated series, which is pretty far removed from the, uh, original story. And it also had a 2010 remake, which was actually not bad. I, I, I know it's got its detractors. I don't hate it. I think it's good for what it is. I think it should have not been called the Karate Kid. I think it should have been called the Kung Fu Kid because, what the uh, character is studying and what the martial arts is portrayed is more kung fu than karate, but it's essentially the same story as a remake. Uh, however, it doesn't hold a candle to the original. The original uh, has the staying power. The original is what people continue to talk about. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention Cobra Kai. Phenomenal series, three seasons with a fourth on the way. This is a blueprint on how you do a revival, a sequel, with respect for the source material, reverence, and continuity. It elevates the original source material. It shifts the focus more on Johnny, and it gives his side of the story, which is fantastic. The creators, um, John Hurwitz, uh, Josh Heald, Hayden Schlossberg, really have done a masterful job, and this is a sequel series that is the playbook. It's one that any revival series should look towards in terms of how to do a sequel series and how to do it right. It elevates not only the original movie, but the sequels. So uh, I do recommend check it out. I have two articles on Cobra Kai that I will link in the write-up. I will also link in the write-up. I have a fantastic interview series that I did last year with William Christopher Ford from the Karate Kid 3. He's one of the highlights of the Karate Kid 3, and I encourage you to check that out. So let me uh, wrap this up. The good, the performances, the cinematography, the score, and the story execution all make this uh, a near flawless film. All right. Putting on my objectivity hat, is there a criticism of this film? I do have one story nitpick. It's one that's kind of bothered me for a number of years. So Kreese and Miyagi decide to have uh, you know Daniel and Johnny work out their differences in a tournament. And the flaw with that is this. Daniel has just learned karate. And in fact, he almost loses his first match. In fact, he runs out of the ring and and, uh, he's admonished by the referee. If Daniel hadn't won that first match, it would have been game over. There wouldn't have really been a reconciliation or a uh, settling of the score. And so um, the only thing is the only thing I can think about is that if Daniel didn't at least make it to a certain point in the tournament in which he would face a Cobra Kai, then perhaps uh, they wouldn't have the crease would not have accepted that as as a um, legitimate deal, a peace peacemaking deal. Um, so and in fact, as you see in the sequels and in Cobra Kai. Uh, Kreese doesn't really accept even uh, the resolution of the tournament as as the settling of the score. So that's my story nitpick that Daniel might have lost that first match and that would have been game over. And that kind of uh, makes that whole uh, idea of a resolution a little bit flawed. Minor flaw. I give this uh, a rating of five stars out of five. 
Where can you watch this movie? Uh, right now, I don't think it's streaming on Netflix or Prime or Hulu. However, I believe on IMDb, you can watch a streaming version with commercials. You can always pay a few bucks if you want to rent it on a uh, streaming platform like Prime. Uh, I do have affiliate links if you want to watch it or purchase it or rent it on Amazon. Uh, So if you want to get the physical media, I recommend it's worth having in your library if you want to get a digital copy or rent it. Uh, Check Hoopla. Uh, my, My library doesn't have it, but yours might. Hoopla is always a great place to check it out. All right, so that's The Karate Kid. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, If you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a long time, do revisit it. Great summer movie. I'll be back next week with another movie, and the write-up for this episode will be available soon. Have a great week, and have a great weekend.